The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss spirit podcast with Ben Garrett and David Johnson. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister on Twitter. Sitting in for David Johnson, who's at Rebels247 on Twitter. We both write for the Ole Spirit to David and I. It's affiliate of 247 Sports. Colin writes for us sometimes. Really, it's just baseball for Colin. And because Ole Miss unofficially kicks off its season today with Ole Miss Media Day, it's only appropriate that Colin's on. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. How are you? Good. Are you excited for baseball season? Absolutely, absolutely. Can't get here fast enough. Glad it's glad it's kind of game week. It's hard to uh, remember how good last year with the way it ended for Ole Miss baseball. Both you and I pegged them as an Omaha team. And outside of one really bad day, they followed the trajectory. They did everything they could have possibly done. This team coming back, I know they lose all three of their weekend starters, but really, Will Etheridge was a starter, just a reliever in name only. Mm -hmm. Um, Gunnar Hogland. First round pick of the Pirates. He's probably going to be in there on that weekend rotation. Bianco's going to announce all of this today. And then one of Zach Phillips or Houston Roth is going to be the other guy to fill the rotation. And then you return seven of your nine lineup regulars. I'm as bullish on this team as I was last year's team. You? Yeah, I think this seems better, actually. Uh, you know, and I know it's kind of hard for people to, you know, get excited after how last year ended. But yeah, everybody talks about losing the rotation. And I get that. But I don't know how much the rotation gave you last year from the standpoint of how's it going to be much like, how is this year not going to be at least equal? Like you look at Ron Rollison's numbers last year. They weren't the, when SEC play hit, they weren't the best in the world. And James McArthur got a blessing three years. I mean, he, he was in the rotation for three years, but how it ended last year with him, I'm not sure Gunnar Hoggle's not going to put up better numbers than that. 
And so, yeah, you know, I think this team from a, from a talent standpoint is even better than last year's. And, you know, they have that, that postseason experience. So it's going to be interesting to see how they put that forward. If the rotation ends up being Will Etheridge on Friday, one of Houston Roth or Zach Phillips on Saturday and Gunnar Hoglund on Sunday, I could see Ole Miss taking a step back, not necessarily significantly, but at least a step back as far as consistency is concerned on Saturday, but getting a yeah. heck of a lot better on Sunday. And I think I think it's equal on Fridays. But yeah, yeah not, I, I mean, agree. Will Etheridge isn't the talent of Ryan Rollison, no. but as far as collegiate production, about the same. Yeah, exactly. And I think, like you said, I, I expect Hogland on, on Sunday, don't you? Mike Bianco said this. He said that Will Etheridge had the best fall, and he's had the best spring of any pitcher. So obviously he's yeah. a Friday night guy. It's no secret. The second best, most consistent pitcher has been on Gunnar Hogland. I was asked yesterday, like, why wouldn't he go back-to-back with Will Etheridge and Gunnar Hogland? I think if Zach Phillips is the guy, he makes the most sense for Saturday. And I know Mm -hmm. you don't want to do the whole righty-lefty-righty thing, but in college, in a game of small samples, I buy into it a little bit more. Yeah. So Gunnar Hogland being that consistent force on Sunday, and knowing that Sundays are weird anyway, just by nature, Sunday games are strange. So with a freshman that's going to have some volatility issues, you'll ride that roller coaster with Gunnar Hogland on Sunday rather than on Saturday. Give me the guy who's maybe more consistent with what his offerings are. Houston Roth or um, Zach Phillips would be that guy. Houston Roth's role is going to be fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't even really had any chatty banter here. But um, Houston Roth's role is really interesting to me. I could see, and again, Mike Bianco will announce this officially at – one o'clock this afternoon, but I could see Houston Roth taking on the role of Will Etheridge. Parker Caracy yeah. had a bad fall. He's been hit really hard here in the spring. His velo was up this weekend, which was good around 94, but for the most part, he sat around 91. And for a pitcher who relies so heavily on the fastball, a closer specifically, that's not great. So give me a Houston Roth who can provide Gunnar Hogland insurance on Sunday and also Parker Caracy insurance if he falls apart like a Dallas Wolfolk did. Now, Dallas's situation was yeah. far beyond just not pitching well. Um, but if Parker doesn't rediscover that form that allowed him to be a breakout player last year in All-American, then Houston Roth provides you cover in two different areas. Yeah, and, and, and Houston's done it before, too. And that, that's another thing is he's come out of the pen. He started for you before. Um, you know, or, or not Irwin, uh, Phillips has always been a starter in Juco and that, that type thing. So it would be an it'd be an acclimation period going, going coming from the bullpen, I guess, from him. That's, that's why I kind of expect – I mean, and we'll find out at 1 o'clock today if I'm right or not. I kind of expect Phillips to be the guy on Saturday, Me just because you, you you mentioned you know the righty lefty righty thing, and and like I think uh, I think Roth would be so much better out of the pen, from the reason you mentioned. I mean, if you because he he technically closed the uh, first game against Tennessee Tech, so he's been in you know some pressure cooker situations. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you there. I think Roth would be a really good asset out of the bullpen. That's not to say he couldn't start because he's obviously been able to do that. He started the SEC tournament title game and pitched really well in it. Um, so, but yeah, I, I, I think Houston would be a really good guy to have give the ball too late in the games. Um, just from a bullpen perspective overall, it's going to be interesting because they've got a lot of new, new faces back there, but I think they're kind of talented back there too. The best pure stuff in the bullpen is Caleb Hill. Absolutely. But he's a freshman. Doug Nikhazy, they want him to be a starter. So I think Doug Nikhazy's role will be the second midweek guy. And one of Houston Roth and Jordan Fowler will pitch the first midweek game. Jordan Fowler. And I would lean towards Fowler. Well, he had a terrible fall, and right. he's been better in the spring. But there's something's wrong with Jordan Fowler right now. I don't know. Yeah, he had a bad summer too. Yeah. So Jordan Fowler, if he can regain that form, I mean, he was val- invaluable for them last year's 
um, a midweek guy and really the fourth man in their rotation. So ideally, Jordan Fowler would be the fourth pitcher for you. Uh, but it, but stands to reason Gunnar Hoglund has been groomed. He's the he's going to be the Sunday or Saturday guy, probably sa- uh, Sunday. Houston Roth in the bullpen makes all the sense in the world for all of the reasons we've already identified. But even more than that, think how long your bullpen becomes now. Because while you have a mm-hmm. freshman in Caleb Hill you really like and you want to throw him out there, I would much prefer to go in high leverage situations. Houston Roth, Greer Holston, Parker Crazy, if he's right, rather than having to immediately rely on freshmen. And Zach Phillips, he's been a starter. He's been a starter as he called his career. And Mike Bianco has talked him up in the fall. He, he didn't make excuses for him, but he certainly was uh, empathetic to his plight, saying that, his stuff is so good. Don't worry about the fall numbers adjustment. Spring, been talking him up all throughout preseason practices. I think he wants Zach Phillips on the weekend, and that's probably the most most important thing when he's making this decision. He's been a guy that got hit around a little bit in the, the fall scrimmages, but has been a lot better in the uh, spring. I was going to ask you, you mentioned him, and you've been out there a lot more than me. How has how was Greer Holston looked this year? Because I think he's really important for the success of the bullpen. I think he's been banged up a little bit. I haven't seen a ton of him, but I don't think at this point you really worry about Greer Holson. Right. You know, I mean, I think at this point he's a guy that you can rely on, that you're comfortable with, handing the ball to out of the bullpen. If you have those three in the bullpen, there's no drop-off whatsoever from last year. We don't even have no. to really touch on the lineup. We know what the lineup is. <laughs> well, but, the only question, I guess, is is Gray going to play opening weekend? Yeah, he's going to play. You think? Yeah, okay. he'll play. I'd be surprised if he doesn't. Not that they really need him, though. Yeah. But I think he'll play. He he was without the um, the ankle boot whatever in practice. He he was out there you know taking infield and BP and all that. I don't think he was all that active in inter squad games. But I'd I'd be surprised if Gray's not out there. He's he's going to be. So, so you got Savidio at second, uh, Olenek in center. I guess who you got? Who do you have in right? Tim Elko. That's who I've got too. Yeah. I've been bullish on Tim Elko for a long time. Yeah. And I think that Tim Elko in right field is the best lineup construction you can have. We could talk for days about batting order. I don't want to get into that. Um, but Tim Elko in right field, he f- makes everything else fall into place. But if you're Michael Fitzsimmons, gosh, you got to be frustrated. Cause yeah, man. <laughs> you got like, what, 30 plate appearances over your Ole Miss career. You're a captain. I mean, it, on any other team, you would be the primary DH. And yet, this team, uh, you know, Ryan Olenek coming back was big for Ole Miss for a lot of reasons. And they were thrilled yeah. to have him back. But it, when you look about the at the roles for Michael Fitzsimmons and Anthony Servideo and Jacob Adams – they love having their teammate back. He's that guy that really fills the role of Nick Fortes and keeping the locker room light. They needed that. If you even think about the um, unquantifiable aspects of baseball, which I kind of roll my eyes at, but I, there is something to it a little bit. And uh, Ryan Olenek provides that for them. But if you're one of those guys, yes, you're thrilled for your teammate. You love having him back. But selfishly, it knocked them all down a peg or two. I'm just kind of curious here. You know, they've, they've played Servideo in the outfield. Some. Do you think they'd be better putting Servideo in center and Olenek at second? That's a great question. I haven't really thought about that. I, I thought that was going to lead to, is Anthony Servideo the best center fielder on the roster? And yes, he is. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I'm, I'm – I mean, I think that would make them better. Defensively, it would kind of stink for Servideo because he's obviously the shortstop next year. Yeah. I think he's got to play second base. Yeah, probably to. so. I, I, and, and Mike's always going to go with what he knows. And he's seen right. He knows what he's got in Ryan in center field, even though I'm not a big fan of Ryan Olenek in center field. But he knows yeah. what he has there. And he likes that. He yeah. likes what he knows. That's Mike Bianco. Well, I mean, he's going to play the guy in center field that's going to play center field every day. He kind of saw that last year. 
Uh, it's kind of why they moved Olenek because, you know, Olenek played it in 17. That's kind of why they moved Golson over there because they knew they were going to move Olenek all over the field. He kind of wants some consistency there. Yeah, and you've got guys who can step in in the infield. Like if Tim Elko's in right field, which you expect him to be pretty much – as long as he hits. Now, if he doesn't yeah. hit, things change. How do you think he can play defensively? Oh, I think he's fine. I think he's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's it's okay in a perfect world. Well, not a perfect, perfect world because a perfect world is Omaha, but following the yeah. same exact schedule as last year, that's 65 games. 65 games, you don't have to be the best defensive outfield. In Agreed. College. Like in major, in major League Baseball, defense is just as important over the, over the course of 162 games as offense is. And people will go, well, that's bullcrap. It's true. College baseball, it's, it's, just, it's just different. It's, it's a game, small sample, so... I'm not as worried about that, but I think Tim Oka's fine in right field. I think defensively, he's looked like he belongs there, and that's that's the perfect guy for this team in right field. He's the perfect guy for it. Yes. I think he can handle and it. I think the battle play, he just needs the at-bats. The Thomas Diller jump, the year one to year two Thomas Diller jump. My guy's Tim Oka. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good comparison. Because, you know, I mean, everybody kind of forgets about kids that don't produce as a freshman, and that's yeah. not really fair. And that's, that's kind of across the board in all sports. Um, you know, you have a highly ranked kid like Elko and, and they come in as a freshman and don't really get the opportunity and, <laughs> and you kind of just forget about him. But he was one of the most highly, ranked, most highly ranked kids out of that class were Servideo and Keenan and, and those type guys. And, you know, I think he's going to have a, a year where he, where he has an OPS about 850 or so and hits seven to eight home runs. I think he's going to be really good for Ole Miss this year. The podcast brought to you by El Agave Mexican Grill. Valentine's Day is coming up, meaning the search for the right spot to take your significant other is well underway. Give me fun and casual over the alternative any day of the week. And no spot checks those boxes better than El Agave Mexican Grill, the best Tex-Mex in town. If you live in Oxford or New Albany, El Agave Mexican Grill is the only stop for the best food, drinks, and atmosphere. At El Agave, there's top-shelf Mexican food at a cantina at both locations. And with a warm and inviting atmosphere, you and your guy or gal can make yourself at home. It's the best Mexican around that starts with high-quality ingredients and careful preparation. The kitchen gets busy early every morning because El Agave starts from scratch every day, making fresh salsa, boiling chilies for their homemade red and green chili dishes, slow cooking their lean cuts of beef and pork, and then pouring the broth off into their homemade sauces. There's nothing like having a full house of folks over for a great Mexican fiesta. So come on over to El Agave in Oxford and or New Albany, 2305 West Jackson Avenue in Oxford, 650 Park Plaza in New Albany. You won't find better Mexican food or margaritas anywhere else. Try the street tacos. They're my favorite. Stay for the food and the experience. El Agave Mexican Grill. The podcast also brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there like recently. <laughs> You're just looking to get the best deal anyway, right? If that's the case, and to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell, and what separates Alan Samuels' is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. They're hardcore Ole Miss fans, so they'll probably want to talk some Ole Miss basketball, baseball, spring football practices, but more importantly, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible. And make sure you get what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Today's guest on Talk of Champions is Chuck Ronsville, my publisher at the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com. Was originally going to be Stephen Godfrey, but some scheduling stuff this morning changed that. 
and we've rescheduled for, I think, tomorrow. But Stephen Godfrey will be on this podcast pretty soon. But today is Chuck, and Chuck's got some stuff to talk about. Namely, Ole Miss vacating wins in the final act of the NCAA and its punishment of Ole Miss after a four- to five- to six-year-long investigation, as well as Jason Jones, not to bury the lead, but Jason Jones being let go as Ole Miss defensive backs coach. So Chuck Ronsville, publisher of the Ole Miss Spirit, coming up in about 10, 15 minutes. But it's easy to say Gunnar Hoglund's going to be the freshman of the year. It's yeah. easy to pick that. But is there then a, a candidate out there of the newcomers that could supplant Gunnar Hoglund as the greatest impact newcomer? I, I don't really think so, man, because you look at it, who's really going to get the opportunity to contribute? Because you're not going to really play a freshman – you're not going to really play a freshman. Unless we throw Zach Phillips into this conversation. Okay, yeah, if he counts. I, I didn't really consider him. But, yeah, I mean, I guess if he has a better year than Hogland, um, than him. But from from a newcomer's perspective, I don't really think many are going to get the chance to play uh, from a defensive standpoint and in the lineup standpoint. There's just not any room. So it's got to be somebody on the mound. And, you know, obviously, you know, if Phillips and, and Hogland are in the rotation, they'll be the two most likely guys. Put up or shut up players, Cooper Johnson. It has to be. I mean, if, if he doesn't perform, I don't know where they go because I don't really think that – and I think Thomas could do it. I think Thomas could be their everyday catcher. No, no. I think he could do it. But no. what I think they, they're worried about is from a, from, is how it impacts his offense and is it worth it from a defensive perspective to put it back there if it's going to hurt his offense. I just don't think defensively he can handle it over the course of a 65-whatever game season it would be. I get what you're saying, but I don't really – think he'd be so bad that it would make him fall off that much if cooper johnson doesn't do it if cooper johnson doesn't do it knox the poser is going to be the guy and and i'm not it's not a knock on knox i haven't seen the kid play but man asking a true freshman to come in that situation is kind of tough it'd have to be him on an everyday basis but that would mean that thomas still is getting a lot more starts behind the plate and that opens up at bats then for michael Fitzsimmons because then chase cockrell probably goes to left field what what's kind of been the outlook for Cooper this uh, this spring? How, I mean, so far has he, has he been better? What's but he always better? hits in the fall and he always hits in the spring. So yeah. how can you hit in actual games? Well, I mean, it's not even really the hitting for him. It's is he catching the damn ball? Like, yeah, the pass balls have been a problem. Been a yeah, problem. I mean, if he catches the ball, that's that that'll work. But that's going to be what I mean. If he hits two forty, and I'm not a big batting average person, you know that. But if he hits two forty. And he plays really good defense, then he's fine. But yeah, it, as long as the defense is there, I don't care if he carries an empty average. Doesn't matter yeah, to me. Exactly. He can hit ninth and bat whatever. I, I don't care. Defensively, that's the problem. Yeah, I mean, you've got to catch the ball because he's going to throw out runners and he's going to control the running game. And people, people don't look at this like knowing that you have a catcher that is going to shut down any sort of running game is such a mental relief for pitchers to not have to worry so much about a guy at first base taking off. Because if he does, he's going to go back to the dugout. So that's why they really need Cooper to be, you know, as good as he can be. And Cooper needs to be as good as he can be for himself. Because, I mean, coming out of high school, the kid was his first or second round pick. And I think if he performs, he could be that again. But you got you, you to gotta put up this year because this is the year. There's no Nick Fortes to bail you out this no, year. No, no. Because Thomas Stillard's not an everyday catcher. He just can't. No, he's not Nick Fortes. No, he's not at all. <laughs> But Cooper's the glue for this whole thing. And, and even yeah. if Cooper doesn't perform, it's not like catcher's going to be a black hole. I think they have candidates who can replace it. But they're so much better if Cooper Johnson is good. I still think that the regular season win total over under 39.5. If I'm giving you 39.5, oh. are you taking the over? 
over easy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying easy. They're going to get it, but I, I've got them 41, 42. Okay. Yeah. How many w- wins so, in the league? 20. Are they winning the West? Team in the West. I don't care that LSU's ranked ahead of them. Yeah, I do. I think they win the West. I think they win their first series in Baton Rouge since 1980, whatever. Um, I think they're the best team in the West and I think they'll finish second in the SEC. Uh, just because Vandy, I think Vandy's a little bit better than they are, and I think Vandy has some scheduling help. So I think they're the second place team in the SEC, and I think they win the West. What scares you about this team? Uh, Cooper. I mean, if if he doesn't perform, I don't know what they do. Um, and it's not saying that I don't think he's going to perform, but you know, if he has a season like he had in 2017, I don't know what they do. There's no, there's no bailout this year. Um, I guess the bullpen could be a little alarming. I think they're going to be fine in the rotation. I don't really think there's going to be much fall off. They're going to hit just as well as they did last year. I think the the number, I guess the number one thing would be how they play at the catcher position. Um, if, if they get production out of there, I don't really know where the season could go wrong. What makes you cocky about this team? As the offense. I mean, you returned seven of nine guys that had the, team had an OPS of 880. I mean, that's going to make you think. And I know they lose Fortez and they lose a guy in Golson that probably one of the more underrated players in Ole Miss baseball history. Um, but I, I don't – See, I think Tim I Elko will be an improvement offensively over Will Golson last year. That's probably fair. Not but, Will Golson over his career, just last year. Right. No, yeah, because Golson struggled at times last year. Uh, not but he hit fifth all year. Run. Well, yeah, but he had some bad luck, man. But yeah, his batting was, average on balls in play was terrible. It was horrible. It was such bad luck. He got just screwed by the luck monster. That's <laughs> but um, yeah, I I don't I don't know how they wouldn't hit like they did last year. So I, I don't I don't know who's going to get them out. Like I I think they're going to be one of the best offenses in the country. So that's what you know gives you a lot of confidence going into the year. I think Tyler Keenan is going to be an All American. I do too. I think Tyler Dillard. I think Thomas Dillard has the best. From a total base perspective, I think Thomas Dillard has the best offensive season in Ole Miss history. Oh, God. That's a Yeah, because well, he, he was close to it last year. Yeah, he was. He, like, he's sneaky, good base stealer. That's exactly. why I would hit him leadoff, not just because he can steal bases, but the best on-base percentage on the team. Um, yeah. Does have a running component, but can do damage with any time he swings the, ball, swings the bat and also hits for average. I don't believe in average, but he's the prototypical new age leadoff hitter for me. Oh, I would roll out. He's like Kyle Schwarber in college. Exactly. That's that's the exact comp. And I wonder if he if he hits that well this year. If he if he sneaks his way into first or second round, guy like Schwarbs. No. I mean, he's better than Schwarbs defensively, man. What's his floor for the draft? <sighs> Eighth or ninth round, man. That power yeah. is going to play. Yeah, I think he's a sixth rounder going into the year. Yeah, that's probably fair going in, but that's what I'm saying. If he hits 360 and not 360, but 340 and slugs 700, man, I, you know, I mean, I think he's got that kind of potential. He, he had a uh, OPS over one last year. Who finishes with more home runs, Thomas Diller or Tyler Keenan? Thomas Diller. So I, I think, think he, I think, I think, he has I think Keenan's going to hit 15 or something stupid. Yeah, that's probably fair. Uh, well, okay, it's kind of it's who hits in front of the other. I think is the big deal because who's got the most protection. Well, I would bet Thomas first and Tyler Keenan second. Exactly. So. I, would, I would go Dillard, Keenan, and I'd figure out the rest. But those would be the first two. The problem with finding the third hitter behind those two is you would think that person would be Cole Zabowski, but his OPS wasn't what you think it would be last year. It was like 880. Yeah. yeah. 
wasn't quite what you thought it would be. So I'm not sure if I wouldn't bat Chase Cockrell third. A lot of swings. I said we weren't going to. Really I said we weren't going to do this with batting order, but I can't help myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're fascinated by it. Yeah. I like Cockrell. Everybody's kind of trying to get him out of the order this year. I don't think that's going to happen. No, I, I, think, I, I love the raw power. Yeah. Now let me ask this: what What made you decide uh, Elko and right field over Cockrell? One can play defense. <laughs> You think Elko is that much better defensively? Yeah, I, I think Cockrell was a butcher in the outfield. Okay, fair enough. I but I, I don't, pr- I don't pretend to be some expert about the defensive nuances of these particular candidates for the outfield. Mike Bianco has forgotten more baseball than I'll ever know. So right. if he thinks Chase Cockrell's competent in the outfield, he'll throw him out there. I just think that Tim Elko has more athleticism to his game to be able to chase balls and in, in alleys and things like that. No, absolutely fair enough. I mean, you know more than me. I haven't. I have not been out there this year. I just want Chase um, Cockrell to swing it. That's all I. That's all I, I care about. Chase Cockrell plays hitter. Yeah, like I, I would be more adept to giving Michael Fitzsimmons at bats playing first base. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And, and man, Fitz needs to play. He needs yeah. at bats. Yeah, because like, I mean, he mashed last year in limited opportunities. Any other team in the country would be the primary designated hitter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy. I will say this: this I'm going to be just baffled if Anthony Servideo doesn't get as many, if not the most, at bats of any player on the team. Like I I think that Anthony Servideo needs to hit every single day, and if Jacob Adams dips into his offensive opportunities, uh, I just will never understand that. Not that I don't think Jacob Adams isn't a serviceable player or valuable player as a depth piece, but. Anthony Servideo has far more upside than Jacob Adams does. That's what I was just saying. You think you think Servideo's kind of overtaking him from last year? I just like the idea of Anthony Servideo and Greg Kessinger being the middle of my infield for an entire year, and I will play, best middle infield in the country. Yeah, I will play with the offensive upside of Anthony Servideo over Jacob Adams, who I don't think brings all that much value as an everyday player offensively. Yeah, uh, and I, I would mean, like I, to see if Jacob Adams could be a super utility guy. If I wanted to throw him in at second, third, I don't want him at short. short. Yeah, I don't want him at short. But maybe <laughs> try him a little bit in center field. You know those kind of things. If you want to give guys midweek breaks and things like that, oh, I want to sit Ryan Olenek and Anthony Servideo today. Okay, put Jacob Adams in at second base or in uh, center field. You know because Justin Bench I think will play a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the freshmen that could play a little bit. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's that's a good point. Not just limit, uh, you know, keep keep Servideo at second and let Adams kind of move all over the place. That's a really good idea. Because I, I um, think fatigue does play into baseball, even uh, in shortened sure. seasons in college baseball. Um, I think if Mike could do it over again, he might have trusted his younger guys a little bit more to give a few guys at least a couple of days off. Like Greg Kessinger, I think at this point has earned the designation of I need days off. And I need Gray to have days off because he, if he gets hurt, you know, that's not great. And, and Gray's having some problems staying healthy at this point in his career. Yeah, he's always got foot and ankle problems. I yeah. will say if Gray has, Kessinger is healthy and hitting, I'm batting him third in that scenario. Yeah, that, that was when we were doing the lineup. That was the guy yeah. I would have had third. I'd have had him third and Cockrum fourth. And I Because there I don't really – here's, here's something that I was surprised by. I was going through the numbers the other day. He had the third most walks on the team last year. I know he lit off, yeah. lit off but you just don't think walks with Gray Kessinger, his – Offense is so dependent on contact and swinging at the first pitch. Yeah, and that's what's crazy is he swung at the first pitch a lot of the time. Yeah. And and drew that many walks. So I've been not giving Gray Kessinger the credit he deserves as a patient hitter. Do you think he's still the leadoff on Friday? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, don't, you, you think, I think he's the leadoff in Olympic second? We could, we could 
discuss this and argue this till we're blue in the face. And on Friday, Gray Cashinger will bat first, and Ryan Olenek will bat second. Tyler Keenan will bat third, and Thomas Dillard will bat fourth. You don't think that you don't think you think Keenan's third and Dillard's fourth. You don't think it's vice versa. Uh, I think that's a coin flip, but I think Tyler Keenan's the most pure hitter on this team. I do too. I agree. I think Mike evaluates it that way too. I could be wrong. Yeah, but I think uh, that's how he evaluates it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of excited for Friday to get here, man. Yeah. After how it ended last year, is Wright State anything? Uh yeah. That well, okay. I don't know what they have Brack from a uh, roster perspective. But Wright State usually makes the postseason and wins their conference tournament. So from from that standpoint, they're a pretty decent program. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think Ole Miss sweeps, but I, I think they're going to have, have their work cut out for them. Who needs to have a really good weekend? I think Cooper. <laughs> and I hate to, to – But he, to, he got off to a good start last year. He did, but defensive – I don't – like, I do not care about his average, though. Like, I need to see him perform defensively. If he performs defensively and goes 0 for 13 this weekend, I'd be happy. Um, so I think if he, I think something to look for is if, does he perform defensively and I guess, how does Gunnar Hogland look? That's kind of what I'm interested in yeah. to see how, you know, he's, he's a strike throwing machine. I want to see how that translates to the college game. They're trying to add a curveball to his repertoire. They've completely bagged the slider or what he attempted to call a slider and <laughs> their fastball change up is plus and already playing, playing up. Um, curveball, add a curveball. Same thing with Houston Roth. He's trying to add a curveball too. Not worried about Houston Roth's repertoire. I think he's fine. Um, yeah. But but Gunner, I'm curious to see how often he throws his off speed. If he relies a little bit on fastball, especially when he gets into a little bit of trouble early on. Gunner Hogan needs to have a good weekend. I think the person who needs to have the biggest weekend of anybody is Thomas Diller. Why's that? Thomas Diller is going to set the tone for everything, in my opinion. That's fair. If Thomas Dillard is good, Ole Miss is going to be good. Yeah. Period. Let, I me, think he, let me ask this. Who, if you could get one person's stats for the year before the season, who would you want? Thomas Dillard. Dillard's? Yeah. Okay. Fair it, it would be him or Tyler Keenan, but yeah. And you, you would you be able to predicate. you can't tell, I'm a little enamored with Tyler Keenan. I think he's one of the <laughs> best pure hitters Ole Miss has ever had. I do, too. I, I think he, I mean, he's a first-round kid next year, man. Yeah, no one really talks about Tyler like they should, but that's because they just, oh, he's, yeah, he's going to hit. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> he hit 330 as a freshman. It's going to be yeah. high. Yeah, he's going to hit really high. I, I, I think he's a player who could hit like 370 in a season. Yeah, he's got the kind of swing to do it. Yeah, he doesn't get fooled. I have no idea what Cole Zabowski's going to be, but I know what Tyler Keenan and Thomas Diller are going to be. And overall, yeah. if I'm going to take the stats of one player, it's going to be the one that impacts winning more than anyone else, and that's Thomas Diller. Yeah, fair enough. Because Tyler I mean, Keenan's still working on the defense, and he's not going to ever beat anybody with his feet. Thomas Diller will, though. Yeah, and that's what's crazy. is He does not look like a guy that's going to go steal 20 bases, but he can. Well, Mike Allstott didn't look like he could run through and away from anyone, <laughs> and he did. <laughs> Thomas Diller is Mike Allstott as an Ole Miss baseball player. Fair enough. Fair enough, yeah. without contact. Thank yeah. God. Well, he did have that really awesome hit. I think it was against Tennessee, maybe. That's true. That is true. Just ran the pitcher over. He was in his yeah. way. Well, I mean, get off the tracks. You know, you're, <laughs> you're in the way. way. There's only one place for me to go. I have the right what of you way. Want to do, slow down? Yeah, I mean, you can't just slow down. I mean, tear, tear an ACL. It's either tear my ACL or run through you. It's a pretty easy call. <laughs> I'm glad he ran through it.
This is Talk of Champions. I've been Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available in sound, on SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions and also on the Omaha Spirit, omspirit.com. It's an affiliate of 247 Sports. Going now to the Chinese Pharmacy phone line to speak to Chuck Ronswell, my publisher at the Omaha Spirit, omspirit.com. Ross Bjork announced at a town hall in Cleveland last night Ole Miss and his final NCAA punishment is vacating 30-plus wins. What does Chuck think about that, as well as Jason Jones being dismissed as Ole Miss defensive backs coach? For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. At Cheney's Pharmacy, you get the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, ChaneysePharmacy.com. Chaney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Going now to the Chinese Pharmacy phone line to speak to Chuck Ronsville, my publisher at the Old Miss Spirit, omspirit.com. How you doing, man? You good? I'm <laughs> doing good, man. Doing good. My uh, oldest grandson's sixth birthday today, and uh, uh, time flies, brother. It's something. I'm, I'm sure you being a grandfather who spoils the crap out of him didn't get any, him anything special at all, right? I got him a new Tahoe. That's uh, all. Yeah, just, just something like that. Yeah. Something little, something small. Yeah, something small. Um, yesterday, a condo. Yeah, a condo, like some beachfront property. It was the first um, town hall meeting for Ross Bjork and the Ole Miss administration. They're doing these town halls. They held it in Cleveland. He announces that Ole Miss is vacating 33 wins. What were your thoughts on that 33, I think it was, and um, well, ultimately closing the book on the NCAA stuff? I've got a lot of thoughts. Uh, you know, one, I thought, you know, and this is not a criticism of Ross, but I thought it was a strange place to announce it. I kind of would have wanted uh, that to be a sports information release that, you know, did a little more explaining. Uh, but, you know, he was asked and he answered at those town hall meetings. And those, that's what they're for, for fans to ask tough questions and for him to give the answers. And, uh, you know, he did what he said he was going to do. I, I kind of wish – uh, as a fan and as a journalist, uh, sports information had put out a release a little before the town hall meetings on those vac- vacated wins, but they didn't. And, uh, you know, so there it is. As far as the vacated wins are concerned, you know, I got mixed emotions. I hate it for the kids that won those games. Um, you know, that it's, it's going to leave a little mark on them, but, uh, they can never take the wins out of my memory. And uh, like you say, they didn't take the sugar bowl away. And I, I just think it's overkill. It's typical NCAA. They latched on to Ole Miss. They got a witch hunt going for four or five years. We've discussed this ad nauseum. Uh, but it's just another end result of the of the witch hunt and overkill. And why, why are you going to punish uh, 85 or 100 kids and, and uh, 20 different coaches, assistant coaches, strength coaches, trainers, and managers for what three or four people did. You know, it doesn't doesn't make any sense to me at all, but nothing the NCAA does these days makes much sense. When I think about vacated wins just in principle, it's the most absurd 
pretty much the dumbest thing the NCAA does as far as punishment is concerned. Again, it's just about scrubbing the record books. But like you mentioned, it's not like you can wipe away fans going and tear down goalposts against Alabama in 2014. Uh, that's just it, that happened. It's a part of history. It means nothing to say, oh, well, you're, that win is vacated. No, it still counts for every single person that matters outside of the SID in the NCAA, I guess, for feeling good about itself. But keeping the Sugar Bowl, the trophy, I think, was the most important, and that happened. Well, I agree. Let, me, let me add this, too. Uh, um, my understanding is that these other schools can't add those as wins. They can't change their records. Yeah, so, they, so, so it really I mean, means it's nothing. Silly. Yeah. It's silly. Yeah, it just means nothing. Now that the yeah. – uh, I agree with you that Ross and Ole Miss administratively should have released something about this – that's but kind of been their mo throughout the whole process, hasn't it? They've they've done yeah, it this and, way, and I don't. But I don't but, but, it, but on the other hand, the flip side of that is, um, you know, he said he was going to be transparent in these town hall meetings, and obviously, by God, he meant it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, so the, you know, there's a lack of transparency on one hand, and then total transparency on the other. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, the other big bit of football news that came down on Mondays, late Monday night, as you and David Johnson reported on the Ole Miss Spirit, Jason Jones is not returning as defensive backs coach. Wasn't really a surprise, was it? No, we've been kind of hinting at that for, what, a month now? Um, Yeah. um, And I think Jason kind of knew it uh, a while back. Uh, You know, when he hired Mike McIntyre to be the defensive coordinator, Mike is a DB coach, and he's going to, help with the DBs and Charles Clark worked for Mike with Mike, uh, before at Colorado. So, you know, uh, that, that partnership had already been formed. Um, they want an outside linebacker coach and, and Jason was, Jason did nothing wrong. I mean, he's a good man, good family man, good Christian man, did everything right. Did every was very loyal. Did what they asked him to do in terms of coaching techniques. And I know there's been criticisms about our DBs don't turn around and all that stuff. That that's a lot of that wasn't his call. Uh, he did what he was instructed to do by the various defensive coordinators he worked under while he was here. Uh, but it's just a, a, a tragedy of the profession. It's uh, uh, they wanted an outside linebacker coach and. You know, Jason was uh, the odd man out, unfortunately, for him. And, um, you know, I love him. I think he's a great guy, and I hate to see it happen, but it's just part of that nasty profession called coaching, what, what, how that's evolved. You know, and it tickles me sometimes, Ben, that a lot of coaches say, boy, you're a journalist. That's the worst profession in the world. No, you're in the worst profession in the world, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's just cutthroat, uh, and, and it is what it is. Now, I think Matt Luke tried to be extremely fair to Jason and gave him plenty of warning to try to find another job. And, uh, and you know, Ole Miss does have to pay him another year if he can't find a job. He's, he had one of those uh, multi-year contracts, and I think his deal was $400,000. So he's not leaving here empty-handed, and that's a good thing. As far as the timeline to find a replacement, what, what direction will Matt Luke go, and uh, when do you think the next coach oh, will be hired? Quick, quick. By by law, he's got to interview three people and uh, do it, give it five days to whatever you call it. Have the <laughs> listing posted. So yeah, listing posted for five days. But I think he'll do something by Monday. 
I really do. How will the coaching staff be reshuffled? You mentioned Mike McIntyre, defensive backs coach. Charles Clark will aid there too. Will it be a linebackers coach? Will Freddie yes. move to line? Okay. Right. No, no, no. Freddie will stay where he is. They'll hire an outside linebacker coach is my understanding. As far as your opinion of what Matt Luke has done to reshuffle the staff or completely refigure the staff this offseason, I've said it was a necessary step, uh, maybe a year too late in my opinion, but still a necessary step that he's done it. Is your opinion the same? Absolutely. I, I don't. I think you're spot on, and uh, I don't think anybody can argue with that. Uh, you know, the circumstances for him keeping the staff together after he was hired was just – extreme loyalty that they helped him get the job and in in retrospect it might not have been the smartest move uh but it certainly was the uh, moral move i guess you could say uh, uh so you know it is what it is and, and he's corrected that now and i personally been i i don't think he could have done much better i mean i really don't i'm i'm as tickled as i could be any names you want to share with who might be replacing Jason Jones? No, because uh, the one I think they're going to eventually hire is is employed elsewhere, and if they don't hire him and you throw his name out there, it might cost him his job, you know, at the other place. And so it's just a tricky deal. I, you know, we'll probably get beat on the story, but that's okay. I, I can live with that if it helps the program and, and helps this guy you know, stay employed or either either where he is now or, or here at Ole Miss. Well, last one, and I'll let you go. What are you looking at first and foremost as Ole Miss heads towards spring football practices? When are they starting? Do we know? Yeah, the end, you know, toward the end of this month. I don't know the exact date, but it's a couple of weeks from now. Oh, okay. Well, what are you looking for? Well, uh, you know, there's a lot of things, but, uh, you know, I'm a trench guy, and I, I want to see – the offensive line, we lost a lot off the offensive line. I want to see how that's going to develop. And, um, you know, I want to see how the defensive line works in the 3-4 in the uh, if we have the personnel to run it the way McIntyre wants it run, uh, moving those outside linebackers up to a five-man front, the odd-man front, you know, having the nose tackle instead of a three technique. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm a trench guy, and that's what – the main things I want to see, but boy, there's so many storylines this year. Um, gosh, just, you know, how's Matt Corral going to develop? How are those young receivers going to develop? Uh, who's uh, going to take Dawson Knox's place? Uh, you know, and we know it's going to be Cooley, but who behind Cooley is going to step up as that second and third tight ends uh, defensively, you know, uh, questions across the board. <laughs> so we'll just see. He's Chuck Ronsville, publisher of the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, at Spirit Chuck on Twitter. It was short notice, but you came on and jumped on and joined us. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Anytime, brother. I enjoy your, your podcast. It's the best out there. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. 
Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. That was Chuck Ronsville, my publisher at the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. You heard the news. Jason Jones dismissed his Ole Miss defensive backs coach, talked about the vacated wins. But, Colin, what are your thoughts about Jason Jones no longer being a part of Matt Luke's coaching staff? I don't want to say expected, but you, you kind of knew if there was another staff change. Well, there's there's another one. Nix is still on staff, right? Derek Nix, yes. That would be the third. Um, Derek Nix yeah. is going to be on the Ole Miss football staff until eternity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you kind of, it's, it seems like Matt's trying to get his own guys in there. And well that, and I think it's important. I've been very critical of Matt Luke on this podcast. Yeah. And a lot of that criticism has been rooted in waiting too long to make these moves. The biggest crux of said criticism was that when you decided and granted it was a, uh, it, it was a commendable thing to do. But when you decided to retain every single member of the staff once they removed the interim tag from your title, you assumed the staff of Hugh Freeze. You could no longer say this is Hugh Freeze's guys. No, you made them your own guys. Right. You kept them. There, there was the opportunity to move on. Uh, there was nothing administratively holding you back. You just decided to keep these guys and give them a free shot for a year. Commendable. Probably not the smartest move. And now uh, Matt Luke is making the necessary changes. And Jason Jones is a great dude, pleasure to deal with, but you could improve on Jason Jones from a staff perspective, not only in recruiting, but also from a coaching vantage point. Now, what will happen? Charles Clark will coach cornerbacks, and Mike McIntyre right. will work with the defensive backs, meaning that Matt Luke's next hire won't be for another defensive backs coach. It'll be for probably linebackers to help John Summer, maybe outside linebackers, whatever it might be. But I think that's where he'll focus. It's not a surprise. That's, I think, the number one thing. But two, much needed. And this is the last one. I went into the offseason well-sourced saying there will be four to six staff changes. That's exactly what happened. (laughs) <laughs> and it needed to happen. It, it was critical that Matt Luke have this offseason as far as his coaching staff is concerned. And he salvaged the recruiting class to a point, not all the way, because don't get into the numbers with Mississippi. That'll just open up another can of worms with me. But he did, to a point, salvage his recruiting class with his uh, landings on National Signing Day last week. This was the last necessary step. And I think uh, Matt Luke deserves uh, a pat on the back for that. Sure. Uh, I guess, you know, and, and maybe you'll know a little bit more about this. Why did it, why was, you know, McGriff let go in, in, in December, I guess, and they waited to, to February on Jones? I guess what was recruiting. the recruiting? Uh, okay, fair enough. Recruiting. Fair. It's easier to so hire. You, this has been decided for a while, you think? Yeah, it's easier to hire assistants than it is to hire coordinators. You need to get coordinators done. Yeah, okay. If you're Fair making enough. moves on coordinate, they were never going to fire Phil Longo. The hope and the expectation was that Phil was going to find another opportunity. The expectation was that he was going to get a head coaching opportunity, and those, those head coaching jobs he went after went in different directions outside of Phil Longo. North Carolina, it sounds very rude, but bailed almost out because it offered Phil Longo 
um, a lateral move, but a, a move nonetheless to get him out. Is of here. he still here? If they don't, probably yeah. Oof, that would have upset some people. Because I don't think Matt Luke could have justifiably straight up just fired Phil Longo on paper. Yeah, I'm with you. But Phil Longo was going to move on. This was always going to be the case. When Phil Longo was hired three years ago at Ole Miss, his agent Jimmy Sexton said, in three years, I'm going to have you as a head coach. Well, that didn't happen, but he was always going to be moving on. And Matt Luke wanted to move on. Phil Longo wanted to move on. He moved on over and done with. Jason Jones, I hate it for him as a person because I really like the guy. But like I mentioned, recruiting, necessary, all those type of things. And now Matt Luke can say, this is my staff. It was a built-in excuse to say, oh, these weren't my guys. Well, again, you assumed those guys when they removed the interim tag and you didn't fire anybody. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like almost forced him to keep them. Yeah, I I don't allow that excuse. Yeah, no, fair um, enough. So I, I'm not going to give it to him now, but I will say it's a, a definitely another show and sign of progress that he's done this. Now, before we get out of here, Ole Miss basketball at Auburn on Wednesday, 20-11, and 10-8 in the league, means you get wins, two over Missouri, one at South Carolina, home against Georgia. You're in, right? Yeah, absolutely. Be an eight seed, get to play nine seed, and probably get your teeth kicking in against Duke, but you're in. <laughs> Golly, it'd be fun, though, for Ole Miss to go against Zion Williamson. Uh, no, it wouldn't be. Who's, <laughs> who's, who's, who's guarding him? <laughs> oh, it, imagine Bruce Stevens guarding Zion. Bruce versus Zion Williamson. Oh, Not my a fan. God. Oh, my God. Does he score 60? CBS projection from Jerry Palm had Ole Miss as a eight seed facing the nine seed. Maybe no, maybe Ole Miss was a nine seed. Ole Miss was the nine seed at facing eight seed Washington in the Kansas City Midwest bracket, the number That's one seed yeah, in the number one seed in that bracket is Virginia. And Virginia yeah, the, for Ole Miss is a better matchup than anything. That's the gonna, matchup yeah. you want. Yeah, if you're going to face the number one seed, it, it's Virginia. Yeah, they're so screwy, man. <laughs> yeah, you never know. But I was asked this on Twitter. I mean, I think it was Will Clements at Will Clements sixteen. He said, "We may need to sneak a win versus Tennessee or UK to really help our resume." No, you don't. No, you don't. Almost doesn't. I mean, have it wins. would help. It would help, of course, but. You don't have one single sub-100 loss. You have no bad losses on your resume. You have quality wins, Baylor win being the best win on your resume. But those Let's, Auburn and Mississippi State wins, they don't just go away. No. They just don't. I mean, just because neither one of them are ranked right now does not mean they go away at the time they were top 15 teams. Let's Still just put it like this. If Ole Miss finishes the year with no sub-100 losses, are they in this tournament? Yeah. I agree. Because that means they're 20 and 11 and 10 and 8 in the league with no yeah, bad exactly. losses. If they win at Auburn, Auburn's number 20 in the net. Ole Miss is 36. It's over. It's over. It's over. <laughs> then you only got to get three of two Missouri, one South Carolina, one Georgia. You only have to get three of those. And they're not losing to Georgia and Missouri at home. It's impossible. No. Well, it is impossible. <laughs> Ole, Miss, I mean, Ole Miss got by by the skin of its teeth against Texas A&M. Lost in that win. They didn't score a field goal in their last five minutes. Their last 14 points all came with the free throw line. Yeah, but the thing is, that Texas A&M team went to Columbia and beat Missouri by 15 on Saturday. Yeah, it's so, possible. It's, it's possible. Okay. But they're not going to lose to Missouri and Georgia. No. So that's 18 wins. And can you get two more? Yeah. yeah Arkansas I mean, has always been at Arkansas a tough draw for Ole Miss. I'm not going to count yeah. that one. I don't think they're beating Auburn and Auburn either. That's a, that's a tough, tough assi- assignment for Ole Miss. 
because Auburn Auburn low key doesn't do anything away from home, so they got to make sure they win every home game. They're so Otherwise, good at home. They're, they're so good at yeah, home. Yeah, they're ridiculous, but they don't do anything away from home, so they got to win every home game, or they're not going to make the tournament. Yeah, but they're always good at home. Oh yeah, yeah, they're just so good at home. But no, Ole Miss does not need to beat Tennessee or Kentucky to help their resume. Not at all. It gets you probably out of the eight nine game. Yeah, I mean that just means you're going to have a heck of a better seed. If they're twenty and eleven and ten and eight, they're going to Nashville for the SEC tournament, not needing to do anything. You wouldn't even have to go to Nashville, Ben. <laughs> well, they would because they have to. But yes, I mean, <laughs> if you if you get bounced by Arkansas in the first round, doesn't matter. You wouldn't get Arkansas, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Just try to get out of there healthy. Ole Miss has no sub one hundred losses now. Texas A and M had they lost that game, that would have been Oof. disastrous. Oof. And they were yeah. trying to with about eight minutes left. They were trying. Ole Miss, as currently constructed and with what they have remaining, is an NCAA tournament team. And if and thanks to everyone that read the oral history of the Kermit Davis Hour. That was really nice of you, the reception that it got. And worked hard on it, and I appreciate you reading it. It was a fun story to put together. But I say that because no one expected this in the debut no. season of Kermit Davis. No one did. And here they are. I would have to assume that you, like me, can would say that Kermit could not have done any better in his first year. Uh, no, I mean, he got 16 wins. I don't know how many losses, six or so. What? Yeah, six. I mean, 16 and seven, six and four in the SEC. Okay, so uh, I forget forget the Iowa State loss because it happened after. But yeah, um, I mean, he's probably going to win 20 games, man. I mean, come on. Like in this league, SEC coach of the year. I mean, if you got to give it to Rick. Bar- it, you got to give it to Rick Barnes. If Barnes runs the table, yeah, I mean, I think. But man, Kermit should be second. I mean, yeah, he's got to draw the second most votes. Yeah, I mean this this is unheralded. Or Will Wade? Will Wade's got his case now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's nine and one. He's got a hell. They got a chance to win the SEC because people don't realize this. They get Kentucky and Tennessee and Baton Rouge, and that's the only time they play. So they could win the league. Yeah, they're really good. <laughs> yeah, I don't like I, I've watched some Ole Miss games this year and I'm like, oh, I wish Ole Miss would have done this differently. They could have won the game. I watched the Ole Miss LSU game. I'm like, I don't know what they do. Like, no, I don't know. Like they, no. they just LSU is the far and away worst matchup for Ole Miss of anybody in the league. And I'm counting Tennessee and Kentucky. And I oh. expect Ole Miss to lose both of those games handily. And I still say LSU yeah. Up and down its roster, the worst matchup for Ole Miss. I mean, what what do you do with Nas Reed? Like, Nothing. <laughs> I mean, but now all I can think about is Bruce Stevens trying to guard Zion, and it makes me laugh. So, ooh, you know. ooh, don't need that in my life. He's Colin Brister. I'm Ben Garrett. This has been Talk of Champions. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. We're also available in SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions, and also on the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com. Thanks, man. We'll talk again. All right, man. Be good.